What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And unfortunately, the Florida Gators fall in a dominant fashion to the Georgia Bulldogs here in Jacksonville, 34-7. to And Spivey, man, a, uh, a day defensively where I didn't think the Gators played too bad, honestly, on defense. But the offense, man, just costed them so much. 21 points in two minutes. Uh, can't go down there towards the goal line like that and turn over a ball. Um, you know, props out to Anthony Richardson for trying to fight for extra yardage, but you got to hold on to a football. Uh, at, you know, three to nothing from the first quarter. Uh, second quarter is where everything started spiraling, especially in the last two minutes there for the Florida Gators, and ultimately winds up costing them this close game that I think would have been a lot closer without giving away 21 points there in the, in the second quarter. Well, I mean, you you look at it. Uh, they scored uh, 21 points from two minutes and 16 seconds left in the first half to the end of the game. I mean, till the end of the half, they scored 21 points, scored 34 points overall. Um, you, you know, you, you, you did well defensively. And here's the thing. And, and David, we talked about it on th- Friday of last week. I said, you got to win the three things. Got to win offense, got to win defense, and you got to win special teams. Got to. You got to win your turnover margin, you know, on both sides of the ball here. You didn't do that. You gave up three turnovers. Now, Rashad Torrance created three turnovers as well. Yeah. Uh, but but you look at it, you, you missed field goals, two of them, two. that were awful. Georgia luckily missed the field goal as well. And one of those was uh, a chip shot, a chip shot field goal. Yeah. Chip shot. I mean, what are you doing? Uh, just you know, goes to show you, you know where where the kicking is. Um, you, you have that happen. Um, you you create no offense. You know, Anthony Richardson plays. He's twelve of twenty for eighty two yards passing before he goes out with a um, with an injury. We think it's a shoulder injury. Uh, Dan Mullen didn't have any update on it after the game as they were still you know testing him out and everything else. Uh, but the offense once again. Did not was not created. There was nothing there. You know, I think I said on Friday, I said, I can't wait to see this chess match to see what Dan has up his sleeve to to counter what Georgia's gonna do. Well, he tried to go back to the the wheel route, and Georgia knew that was coming because it's happened the last two years. Uh, then he tried to go to speed option, something they've done for two years now. So you knew going into this game you had to do something different, and it's like you you know, you brought Kyrie Elam's handcuffs out back to Anthony Richardson now. Yeah. You know, you had him on Emory the beginning of the year. Now you put him on Anthony Richardson, and it, it, it just it, – you're, you're at a crossroads, David, and I don't know where you're going w- with all this. I, I You know, I, did I think Georgia's going to win this game? Yes, it did. I, I said that. But this offense did absolutely nothing. Now, granted, we knew the offense was going to struggle in this game because of how good Georgia's offense was, but not struggle to the point where you it took you till the end of the game in the fourth quarter to keep your, you know, your streak alive of not being shut out because you know you can't kick a field goal. So a fourth and 13, you're forced to go for it when you, you knew you wasn't going to get that against a good Georgia team. So you could kick a field goal. You know, you, you should very well be looking at a 3-3 ball game heading into halftime if Florida makes their field goal. That's what it should have been. Yeah. 6-3 Georgia if they make their field goal. But you didn't. And it continues to happen, David, where it's always something for this team that continues to hurt them. And here's the thing, and I'll go back to it, and I said it, I think, for the last 15 million podcasts, recruiting. Yep. 
And it's kind of like when you have a leaky faucet, you know, you plug up one hole with flex seal and then yep. another hole forms and it starts leaking and you plug that hole, then that hole starts leaking and it's a whole spiral downward when you just need to replace the whole pipe itself. And you didn't do that in this game. Uh, it, it's, it's one that, like you said, it was the penalties at first, then it was the counterplay, which they did run and they were successful on towards the end of the game. And, and they could have ran it all day long, but it was yeah. like they were bored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I didn't understand this, too. We we wound up having around 160 rushing yards this game, and Damian Pierce was averaging 7.7 yards per carry, and he was looking good. I don't know why they went away from Damian Pierce running up it's the middle. It's the story of the season. Yeah. It's the same thing in Bama game. It's the same thing in Kentucky game. The man goes, and you pull him. Listen, I love Malik Davis. Naquan Wright is one of my favorite players on this team. I think he might be your MVP. But those two guys don't run against this Georgia defense. Oh, yeah. Damian Pierce is big, tough, physical. It takes multiple guys to bring him down, and it did multiple times. Pound the rock with your dude. Damian Pierce is your dude. Stop worrying about hurting people's feelings. Right. This is Florida, Georgia. Big time football. CBS. 3.30, if you're an SEC team, that's what you love. If you're a Florida Gator, this is what you love, the Florida-Georgia game, knocking off number one Georgia. Put your dude in and go. If somebody gets their feelings hurt, look at them and say, hey, we won the football game. Hush. Right, and, and that gives the Georgia offense less time for the football when you're running the ball down their throat. And, and obviously, it was very successful with Damian Pierce, and my hat's off to him because he played very well when he was in the game. I don't know why you – Dan Mullen said it first. He said – I'm going to go roll with the hot hand. Well, your hot hand was Damian Pierce yesterday, and you didn't roll with him. So, I mean, that's a problem right there. Um, but defensively, we'll, we'll go back. You mentioned Rashad Torrance, man. Two interceptions, one fumble recovery here, too, as well, man. The guy played with his hair on fire, eight total tackles, five solos. Uh, just played great. So did Tradine, eight total tackles, five solos, one sack, one tackle for loss. Those two guys right there on defense, and I and like I said, I hate taking away credit from the defense because the defense played so well this game and turned over the ball when they needed to. Didn't understand why Rashad Torrance didn't kneel the ball in the end zone, but I, I'm, I'm confused to where, I guess, if you catch it before you go into the end zone, you can't really kneel it. you got to run it back, correct? Or it's a well, touchback. So there was – that was a question, and Dan Mullen said this after the game a little bit, and that is – Okay, if you're pushed in, you know, to the end zone, by, either by the defender or if your momentum carries you in, um, you're still considered a touchback there because it was, you know, that he didn't have really possession of the ball until he was in the end zone. But it was one of those split-second things where if you're Rashad, and, and I thought the same thing watching it live in person. I said, oh, man, he caught the ball in the two and ran in the end zone. You know, and Dan Mullen said this after the game. He said Rashad's – Worst fear was making an interception a great play there and then falling in the end zone and having a safety call against you, giving Georgia two points plus the ball right back. So, you know, yeah. listen, I understand it. I, I, I get it. It puts your, your offense in a bad spot. But you're at the University of Florida, for God's sakes. Yeah. You yeah. can get out of the end zone. And listen, for Anthony, I get you were trying to get extra yards. But hold on to the football, man. Yeah. Hold on to the football. And here's the thing. Those are the rookie mistakes you're going to get. And I get that. Yep. But hold on to the ball. And then, you know, you had the two interceptions. Just can't have that happen there. You know, the pick six, that was his, That was a Felipe Franks throw of it was red. 
it was, you know, everybody in the world coming, including the Kobe Dean, and the Kobe Dean just set him up and took it back. Um, so, again, listen, I, I get it. Um, 354 yards is what Georgia put up. The, the defense played much better. Uh, you look at it. You take the 42-yard runaway from Zamir White in garbage time. Um, you, you had Karis Jackson on 36-yard uh, touchdown pass, you know, on that uh, play that was the uh, um, right after the interception. Um, so you take away some of those, and it doesn't look too bad. And, and listen, yeah. there's no moral victories. Right. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Todd Grantham did enough to get a contract extension because no. it did happen. It didn't happen. I didn't tell you that this this defensive staff in general got enough, you know, did enough to keep, you know, uh, contract extensions and big pay raises. I ain't going to tell you that either. But I'm saying the defense played well enough on Saturday for the Florida Gators to be in this football game and for the Florida Gators to win this football game potentially. And Dan Bowen and the offensive staff just let them down. That is just – that's just where this program is, David – and I hate to just get off this game so quick, but it but it just it just is what it is. And yeah. that's where this program is. And you know, I'll say this, Dan Mullen for the first time all year really, really took some some credit or some responsibility, I, I guess is the best way to say it, for what happened in this game, uh, for what's going on with this program. He really took some responsibility for that. Um, and really for the first time didn't come out with the poor me, well, well hey, guess what? We kind of won kind of mindset. Well, no, you didn't. Um, and, and that was that was good to see. I, I, you know, I, I again, I don't know that there's ever anything you can say in the post game, um, but it was good. I mean, here was, this, well, here was part of this quote. He said, right now we're not where we want to be. The mindset of this team falls on me. I'm certainly not pleased with where we are, and I know our players certainly aren't pleased with where we are as well. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I, I get it that, you know, listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that that quote makes me more of a believer in, in Dan Mullen or whatever else, but it's about time you took some responsibility for that. It's about time you took responsibility as the head football coach at the university of Florida for that. Now there's a quote later on and, and, and you got a quote from Kirby that just kind of shows where things are different in this pro in the programs. Uh, Dan Mullen was asked, um, is there a talent gap between Florida and Jordan? And, and I don't know that any coach would ever come out and just say there was a talent gap, but Mullen's answer is the problem with this university yep. right now. And his answer was, well, we won last year and they won this year. That's that's okay. not answering the full question. <laughs> and, well, well, not only that, but but David, you did not do anything last year. You 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 lost to Alabama and you got blew out by Oklahoma and you had four losses. Yeah. That, so no, but then Kirby has a different answer, and 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 there was you know, Mullen went on to say when asked about recruiting, he said, you know, his coaches recruit hard, and they want guys that live up to the Gators standard. And they want guys that want to be Gators. And he knows his coaches recruit hard. You may recruit hard, yeah. but you ain't landing nobody. Right. And then Kirby has this quote, and I know you got it synced up. Play that quote real quick. All right, here you go. I mean, guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting. Okay? I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter. 
because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because they got good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation. That's 50% recruiting. And another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit, guys, you got no chance. Just go look. Look at the best teams out there. They, they got good football players. And that's the reason I believe in recruiting. And I believe you better always be recruiting. Always be recruiting. Because if you're not, somebody else is. I uh, couldn't say enough more about that. There it is. <laughs> that is it. Nick Saban doesn't win without good recruits either. Right. You know, listen, Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. The greatest. But if 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 he's out talented every week, it's just not there. It's just you you can't. You can't. The, the the thing is is Dan wanted to line up and run the football, but he didn't have the dudes up front to do it. And he don't have the dudes coming in. Right. He wanted to win some one on one matchups outside. He didn't have the dudes to do it. Right. It, 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 the thing is, is like that, the, you're talking about that cover zero that, that it looked like, I call it a cover zero, but that, that play that, you know, all the Georgia, all the Georgia defensive guys are up on the, on the line of scrimmage. They're ready to sack the quarterback. Why are you calling a play to pass to Malik D- Davis on the sideline when you know there's a guy right down there that's going to just snatch the ball and return it for a pick six? Like, it's, it's all about the Jimmys and Joes more than it is the X's and O's, and I understand that. But you got to be able to have smart play calling as well on offense, or even just even defense as well. But Kirby Smart's right; like you don't win consistently over any opponents without good recruiting. You saw it, Kentucky. Kentucky sucks. Yes. Kentucky's bad, and actually, we've out recruited Kentucky. But we don't have enough elite players to where if we have a bad game, we can still pull the game off. We don't have a Percy Harvin out there that can return a kick for us. We don't have a, uh, a a Brandon Spikes that can get a pick six for us and run it back. We don't have those kind of guys anymore. But this isn't the 2008 class. This isn't the 2010 class. It's not the 2012 class with the elite defense that we had when Will Muschamp was here. This is what you got. This is what you recruited for the last four years. And you're saying that your evaluations are better than the scouts. But to me, it looks like the scouts' evaluations are better than your own evaluations. Because well, you're not thing. getting the job done against teams that you should beat. And on top of that, you're getting blown out by teams that we play as rivals every year and teams that don't have the, the personnel like LSU are still putting in their third and second string guys and their walk-ons, and they're still beating the crap out of you. Two so, years in a row because their second and third string are better. I mean, listen, I am the first one to sit here and tell you, I don't care about stars. Half these dudes who are, who are ranking these guys – don't know a lick of thing about football. They don't know a lick of thing about football. But there's a couple things you can look at. When Alabama, when Georgia, when Ohio State, when Oklahoma, when Clemson, when Oregon, when the top schools are offering these kids, they're pretty freaking good. Yeah. Pretty freaking good. Because all of them aren't missing on it. And right. all of them are stupid. And then when you're winning battles against FIU, Liberty, Oh, UCF. God. Guess what? Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, they weren't all wrong. They weren't all wrong about it. They just simply weren't. Right. And, and, and the thing is this, David, and that is 
as good of a play caller as you are, you would think you would just want the absolute freaking dudes to just be that great. Right. But you don't because you're so scared. And this is not just a Dan thing. This is everyone on this coaching staff. They're so scared of an ego being bigger than theirs that they don't, they don't want it. John Heathers, he's so scared that there's a player that's going to come in that may simply know a thing or two and he may not have to teach him so that he can go toot his own horn and say, hey, well, I taught him everything he knows. Right. Yeah. That he doesn't want to. The man's losing kids to Ole Miss. He just lost a kid to Maryland. You know, Matthew McCoy's probably going to Ole Miss too. You, you, you're not winning football games with that. It, it does not take a stupid man to realize when you're beating Liberty and you're beating FIU and you're beating, you know, East West Tennessee State, you're not doing good. Here's a th- here's another thing for you. And I'm not calling out nobody in particular here, uh, player wise, because listen, all these players that they got are good players. There's not power five SEC players. Right. And Florida has zero, David, zero tight end commits after just having the best tight end in college football history in Kyle Pitts, who was drafted number four, the highest overall drafted tight end ever. With the biggest signing bonus ever. Mackey Award, too. Mackey Award. You have zero tight ends here. You're hoping a kid from LSU flips, and you're hoping a kid that's committed to Tulane flips. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, you took the words out of my mouth, man. Like, I, I don't get how you can have so much success with Kadarius Tony, Kyle Trash, Kyle Pitts. Uh, I know the defense looked terrible last year, but you had success on offense. Really good success on offense. But you can't get Jaleel Skinner as a tight end. You can't get. It looks like you're not going to get Evan Stewart either to Texas because it looks like Texas is going to is going to win that recruiting battle as well. And you're not getting the, the the elite kids, especially on offense. I mean, these kids watching this offense should want to come to the University of Florida. You're scoring an average of thirty to forty points per game. Offenses and, and wide receivers and tight ends and 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 they should all be lined up wanting to be part of the University of Florida, and they're not because you're not going out there and recruiting them. And I remember somebody saying, Sarkeesian calls Evan Stewart every day. Evan Stewart yeah. said, well, Dan Mullen only calls me once a week. There you go. That is your own fault. That You may not land Evan Stewart. I'm not sure if you will or not, but it may be your own fault that you don't land Evan Stewart. And you're lucky to have Nick Evers and, and Monica Evers to be in that relationship to help that out, but you still may not even land Evan Stewart because you're not on a consistent basis doing what Kirby Smart said. Here's, what, here's what Shamar James said. My guy, Shamar. Love Shamar. I backed, off my, I backed off my commitment to Florida because a relationship isn't going to get me to the next level. I felt as if I needed to be developed at the highest level. Yeah. I saw wait, that on Twitter. Wait. Florida and Georgia are at the highest level in the SEC, but you're telling – that says it all right there, David. I mean, yep. the, the, the thing is this, and, and that is vacations in the NCAA – in college football, in the SEC, they don't work. Right. They don't work. If you become a college football coach, you come in it knowing that you're going to work 350 days a year. Yeah. You're going to take calls on Christmas. Hey, I've stopped many of Christmas uh, things because a kid committed, kid decommitted, whatever, for myself. I'm not getting paid seven and a half million dollars like Dan Maul. Yeah. Dan, if you want to go hang out with your family and your kids and listen, I have nothing wrong with it. I absolutely love hanging out with mine. 
don't be an a, a SEC football coach. Right. Go 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 coach high school ball. Yeah. But no, you want that seven and a half million dollars. So suck it up, big dog. Put your big boy pants on and go recruit. And guess what? This ain't the boys and girls club where we just have our our friends together, our our you know the bikers club or whatever, where we all get our friends together and drink beer together. Cut bait. Cut bait. Yep. Get rid of your boys. Because your boys are about to cost you seven and a half million dollars. Yep. Your boys are about to cost cost you the University of Florida job. Your boys are about to cost this university continued success because your boys are bringing them down. Your boys on the offensive line, your boys at, at running back and such, they're hurting you in recruiting. Your boys are hurting you all around, and this is not cutting it. This is getting worse than it is getting better. And I said this before. You can get lucky. You can have every four years you may get a 10-win team because you have a ton of guys that are just senior guys who just gel really well together. But the other three are going to suck. You're going to be an eight-win team. You're going to be a nine-win team. be a seven-win team. Yeah. That's not good enough in Florida. If I ask you right now, are you okay with eight and four this year, David? Your answer is going to be what? Hell no. Exactly. But guess what? What does next year look like? Another yeah. three loss? Yeah. I, after Saturday, are, do you see anything that gets you excited? No, especially when you got Texas A&M added onto the schedule next year, too, along with starting exactly. out with Utah. I'm not even sure we're going to be Utah the way we're playing right now. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, bad. but I mean, again, you think about it. LSU, they're going to be better. They already yep. beat you twice, and they're going to be better. Mel Tucker, who probably is going to be their football coach, is a really good football coach. Whoever they get is going to be better. A&M is going to be better. And George is still going to be good. Georgia, three. Georgia ain't falling off anytime soon. They're they're number one and number two every year. Listen, even if Kirby they lose sucks. people. Kirby Sutts is a developmental coach at times. His offensive staff at times has been terrible. But Kirby didn't Kirby didn't fall turnip truck at Alabama. He learned from Nick Saban. Go get the best players and just coach them up a little bit and go tell them to play. Yeah. Great players do. go make good plays. That's all about the SEC, man. You got to out physical the team. That's what's that's what playing in the South is like. You know. Obviously, yeah. when you see SEC teams and they play teams from the north, or they they usually dominate them because right. they got the bigger, stronger, faster players. And if you don't have the bigger, stronger, faster players, it doesn't matter how much of a good coach you are. You're still not going to be able to outscheme your way out of talent. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to throw away a wheel route with somebody running a four eight and expect to to knock off a touchdown. You may get a twenty yard gain. But if you have a 4-3 guy catching one out of the backfield, it's a five-star, he's probably going to take it to the house. And that's the difference in winning football games and closing out close games, and which we haven't done all year. This was yeah. the only game that I mean, we had that we that, got. Here, here's the thing, David. Are you telling me there's no good football coaches outside the Power Five? Of course. Do you think there's good coaches at USF? Do you think there's good coaches at FAU? I think there is. I mean, there's I, good no, ones. No, but... just good just good. Good football coaches on, on Saturday, X's and O's. Oh, yeah. I would think that around the nation, yes, of course. Yeah. But I, so, I, I thought you were talking in terms of recruiting. But no, no, yeah. no, I'm asking, is there good X's and O's coaches outside of the Power Five? Well, I know Willie Taggart's not. I mean, you think you could go find a good X's and O's coach at oh, my boys at South Alabama, for instance, or okay, uh, Georgia Southern? Do you think there's good X's and O's football coaches there? I think South Alabama has some. I, yeah, I, I but like I'm saying, game. like, even Georgia Southern, you're not going to get to the, the big boy level of college football. It, you're not going to get to college football in general if you're not a good X's and O football coach, right. okay? Yeah. If, if, it, if recruiting didn't matter, 
then those schools would be great. But guess what? That's why you only have a few games where Appalachian State knocks off Michigan, where, you know, Georgia Southern almost beats Auburn because they have to have every little thing go their way because if not, the opposing team has the better athletes and can do the job. That's the issue is that Florida thinks they can just recruit at whatever level and they can out-coach everybody. Well, they're not even out-coaching everybody right now. Uh, well, if you, no, look, at, if you look at the talent that. profile that Florida has, they're like number six or seventh in the nation, and you're sitting here unranked, lost four games. You're not even out-coaching everybody. <laughs> right. I mean, from a talent perspective, you should have beat Kentucky. You should have beat LSU. You had a close game with Alabama. That hats off to you, no moral victories. But you should have at least beat Kentucky and LSU, and you didn't even do that. So are you even really coaching that well? Yeah, I mean, because my question is this. What did you do down in the bye week? Yeah. You had two weeks to prepare That's the for offensive Georgia. game plan that you brought with the bye week? That's how you decided to stop counter during the bye week? Yeah. And as many guys Georgia, as... Georgia ran, let me see here, 52 plays. They could have ran counter 52 times and put up 500 yards often. I, if I'm Georgia, I'm pissed off at, at you know my offensive staff for what they were doing. They just got away from counter. Every time they ran counter, they got 10 yards. Yeah. I know. It was... It... <laughs> Looking at that, I, and I'm sure they watched that LSU film, and, and that's what I figured they were going to run all game. But it, you would think you would think after two weeks that they would be ready for that counter play, and they weren't. They were ready for your wheel route. <laughs> you weren't ready for that counter play. I mean, yeah. to me, to me, I, I I don't even care what anybody says about Dan Mullen being a good X's and O's coach. He hasn't done it. He hasn't done it from 2020, the end of 2020, all the way to now. Like he hasn't been able to X and O's. Anybody, even people that have less talent talent profile, it's not even here. He's not even coaching great right now. And to, it, like it, this is another thing that I noticed too. Like when Anthony Richardson was in the game, yeah, he only had what eighty two yards here. Emory Jones comes in for an in, injured Anthony Richardson, puts up one hundred and twelve yards easy. So now what are you saying? Are you saying maybe went too fast on Emory Jones here? Maybe he might be the better quarterback, and maybe Dan Mullen was right, or did we just not? Well, give him okay, the if he's right. Why'd he listen? Yeah. Why'd he listen? Why, 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 did, why did my opinion matter? Why did your opinion matter? He don't care about our opinions on anything else. Why, why, why did he let us influence his decision? Yeah. Uh, why did he look better in the LSU game? Uh, I mean, why did he look better in the LSU game when Anthony Richardson did? And listen, I'm the biggest Emory fan there is. I think Emory's been handcuffed just like Anthony Richardson has. I'm, I don't think either quarterback's been able to give the full offense. But when you're hearing... People around the country, you players and coaches and whatever it may be around the country, say loyalty and uh, you only get to play when you're a veteran for Dan Mullen. It's not good things. It's yeah. not things you want to hear. And and I'm not trying to to go down this path here, but you won with you won with Jim McElwain guys last year. It just yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Kyle Trask, Kadarius Tony, and Kyle Pitts. Oh, McElwain guys. <laughs> and here's the thing: you ain't got a dude on this recruiting staff, a, a coaching staff. Excuse me, recruiting staff. You have a couple, but you ain't got a dude on this coaching staff who can go land a five-star monster from Miami, Tampa, Texas. You ain't got a dude on this coaching staff. They ain't even in the hunt for Evan Stewart. If it ain't for Nick Evers and his family, yeah. not even in the hunt for him. What, what, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? 
That's how you win. I'm sorry. Listen, I love the stories of the, the underdog. They're underdogs for a reason. And you can't have a team full of underdogs and expect to win year in and year out. Well, that's the thing. All his friends are lazy. They don't want to go out there and recruit. And the thing is, is eventually... They like vacation like him. Eventually, that's going to come and bite you. And to me, honestly, I give Dan Mullen one more year. Uh, I, one more year, and if you don't show me anything, you don't show me your ability to try to recruit elite in the next recruiting class, and you go 7-5 and five next year, or maybe even barely make a bowl game, uh, I'm, I'm just done. Like, it's physically and mentally exhausting talking about Dan Mullen, how he recruits, how he prepares for game day. Uh, sure, you came in and you you lit the world on fire. Uh, you, we only expected a what a nine and three season when he came in here. He got ten wins, New Year Six bowl game. Next year, eleven, New Year Six bowl game. I guess you're kind of spoiled from that. But to be honest, there's no reason to be going eight and four, seven and five. It's what Will Muschamp did. It's what Jim McElwain. I don't did. care about bowl games, so David. I don't either. What's I don't. The thing? Who cares? Like, honest to God, who cares if you go to the Orange Bowl? to the Mayo Bowl, to the Weeder Bowl, because guess what? You're still a loser. You still <laughs> didn't make the college football playoff. You still didn't. Okay, sure, the money's good, but guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because guess what? The SEC schools are still going. Is yeah. it fun to go to the Orange Bowl and get some swag and play Miami? Sure it is, but in 10 years, ain't nobody going to remember. I'll ask you this. 10 years ago, what bowl did Florida play in? I don't know. I honestly can't remember. Couldn't tell you. I was thinking Sugar Bowl, but that's 2012. But the I think it was Birmingham Bowl, wasn't it? No, I can't even remember. See, that's the thing. I, I can't even remember. See, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares? who cares? But guess what? Ten years ago, University of Alabama won a national championship. I can remember that. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what? You, you want crystal balls in your, your trophy case before yeah. the playoff. Now you want golden trophies. You don't have any of those. You have crystal 13 balls. Thirteen years ago, you have Florida won a national championship. 15 years ago, Florida won a national championship. I can remember that. Yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And, it, it. and how do we remember Coach Spurrier and Coach Urban? Because they both won national championships, and they both recruited at an elite level. That's why we remember those guys. And both of them were pissed off. You know, Dan Mullen said um, he hates losing. He's never going to let go of the rope. Well, listen, me – this is only me. This is only former football coach Andrew here. I don't care if it's my wife. I don't care if it's my mom. I don't care if it's my dad. I don't care if it's my best friend. I don't care if it's you, David. If you're stopping me from winning a national championship, we'll be friends. But you ain't going to be on my payroll to get to coach. Right. You, you can be a secretary. You can be whatever you want to do. But you ain't going to be one of my coaches to help me win a national championship. First of all, ain't no friendship. If it's a true friendship, that friend ain't going to do it to you. And secondly, they ain't going to get mad at you if you put your goals and your family's goals because that's what Dan's doing. He's putting his goals and his family's future in the hands of John Hevesy. And John Hevesy's throwing him up two middle fingers and a case of beer and saying, (laughs) I like my vacation. I like fishing. Yeah. A case of beer and a boat. That's what he's putting up in front of him. But, uh, yeah, man, and and, and, and this is another concerning thing, too. In every game, Florida's had more offensive yards than the other team. Still lost. And you know how Dan Mullen said, well, I had more offensive yards. That doesn't matter. You don't win games with more offensive yards. (laughs) 
And uh, it, it's just today, man, and looking at the stats, it just gives you like, uh, you're, you're even in turnovers. So you can knock the turnovers there, but points off turnovers, obviously, was the main difference in this game. But you're even in turnovers. You have just about as many offensive yards as the other team. You have more first downs. You ran 74 plays to their 52. Controlled the clock. Still lost the game. Can't do that. Guess what? Six false starts. Yep. <laughs> it just... What's it been going on now? A month since Kentucky? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? It just... It just has to be fixed. Right. And Dan says after the game, he's not going to let go of the rope. And he's going to get it fixed. Well, unless you see some coaching fires come across the board, <laughs> they ain't getting fixed. Ain't nothing getting fixed at all. Dorian Gray, Ron English, hey, wasn't your problems last year. Your buddy Todd Grantham was your problem last year. Your buddy John Hevesy was your problem last year. That was your problem. Your best, your best, the, the, the guy you lost in Brian Johnson, it's a future head coach. Yeah. Your, your problems didn't leave. You, you replaced Torian Gray with, with a guy who was two years ago a defensive analyst at Georgia and was at USF and can't recruit anyone, can't coach his position. And you were and you replaced him with the guy in Torian from or you replaced a guy like Torian Gray? Got a guy like Corey Bell sitting in the in the in the basement down there doing a recruiting analyst, and the guy can out recruit every single person on this team, on this coaching staff. And you got him sitting on the sidelines. What are you doing? What are you doing? The guy landed Tyreek Stevenson. The guy had dudes lined up to play. You got him sitting in the basement? Well, you got a guy from USF that can't recruit nobody? He went out and visited Julian Humphrey on a Friday, and on Sunday, the kid decommitted. <laughs> That's not good. I mean, it's nothing to laugh at. You kind of, like me, I can find laughter in certain bad things, but it's not funny. It really isn't. Um, I, I got a comment from Twitter, and I, I want, I've been wanting to read this the whole podcast. I'm going to read it real quick. It says, So Mullen has a worse SEC record than Ron Zook, a worse 13-game stretch than Jim McElwain, Zucker Muschamp, less divisional titles than McElwain, more losses to Kentucky than any of those coaches. The only coach since 1979 to lose to Kentucky, LSU, and Georgia in the same year. $7.5 million. That's what we're paying him Listen, to do all that. I, I, people don't want to hear it from me because I'm a Jim McElwain guy, and I love Jim McElwain, and I still love Jim McElwain, and I don't care what anybody says. Part of the business. I love Jim McElwain. I think he's a great person. I think he's a great football coach. He had a bad hire on his staff that kept his offense down, and it cost him his job. Yep. So far, it ain't cost Dan his job. Jim McElwain wouldn't bow down to Scott Strickland. So he got fired because he, you know, had some disturbing death threats, whatever it may be. But Jim McElwain out-recruited the heck out of Dan Mullen. Jim McElwain also inherited nothing on the offensive side of the ball from Will Muschamp. He inherited great defense and helped him win some football games, helped him win a lot of football games. But Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen, ain't no difference there. Yeah. There really is. There is no difference, to be honest. 
I mean, so you hated Jim McElwain who could recruit because you like Dan Mullen who could put together an okay offensive game plan. Guess what? Neither of them won your championship. At the end of the day, no. And, and Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain rode the coattails of Will Muschamp's recruits. But that's the thing is when you recruited an elite level, even though Muschamp couldn't figure out offense at all, and he went through offensive coordinators that looked like every single year. Um, the thing that kept him in games was his elite defensive recruiting. And even mm-hmm. when he had those bad years where he had lost, he had a 4-8 and eight season. I mean, he lost to Georgia Southern, had a ton of injuries. You still shouldn't lose to Georgia Southern. He beat the teams he's supposed to beat that he out-recruited. I mean, point blank. You beat Tennessee every year with Will Westchamp. You didn't have a loss to Tennessee. Jim McElwain lost to Tennessee. But you were able to recruit at an elite level enough defensively to get you through the games that you're supposed to get through. All you needed was an offense. All you needed was a good offensive coordinator. Could have won and championship. it was coming. And it was coming for McElwain. The recruits were lining up. Don't forget, Heisman candidate Matt Corral. Yeah. Jamar Chase was the fourth overall pick in, in the draft. Frank Watson, who was a really good player. Um, Terry Stevenson, who was really a player. Copeland. Um, I, I know I'm forgetting somebody. That class I know was, I'm forgetting some other guys. That What's class that? was number one or number three before he got fired? Number one in the country in the in the class uh, the following year. And they were number three in the class that he got fired. Um, remember, Matt Corral wasn't good enough to play for Dan Mullen. That's right. Billy Gonzalez said Jamar Chase wasn't SEC material. Okay, well, Jamar Chase is, might be rookie of the year in, in the NFL. And Matt Corral's probably getting invited in New York if they have the ceremony up there again. So, what's the issue? Yeah, you, you, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I mean, you were able to hold on to Copeland and Damian Pierce, who actually have been great playmakers for your team. Maybe not this year with Copeland. He hasn't gotten the ball. Well, you as had much. on Damian Pierce because Juwan Sider was still here. And yeah. you hang you hold on you held on to Copeland because the foundation was already built for him there. Because Billy Gonzalez didn't do a thing but try to wreck Jacob Copeland's recruitment. And Greg Knox didn't land Damian Pierce, so don't let nobody fool you there. Yeah. Greg Knox hasn't landed anybody except for from the transfer portal where they've already been. And, and Demarcus Bowen was coming to Florida, I believe, but until his the thing, you know, obviously he went to Clemson for, you know, his family member. Family member passes away, he comes to Florida. So I guess you could say that maybe Knox could have pulled Bowman. I don't know. It was a whole family thing there. But still, I mean, like, what what has any of this coaching staff done elite in recruiting to to make it to where you just, like, if it was me, I would be getting rid of Knox. I'd be getting rid of Hevesy. I'd be getting rid of Grantham. Sorry, that's just me. You can't well, get rid of all of them. Your thing. You can't get rid of here all of them your, at one time. But here comes your problem, David. Let's say this, okay? Let's let's speak in hypothetical for a second here. The entire defense staff gets fired this year, okay? Let's just speak in this. I don't know if it happens or not. Probably not, honestly. Um, you bring a whole new defense staff in. What happens next year when you're at Florida losses? Yeah. Exactly. Maybe. Or three losses. So now do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, it all, it always is. This is a pattern you get in, and it, and it rarely works. Where if you have to force a coach to fire certain people, it rarely works that it ends up fixing the program and the program going to elite levels. Yeah. Now, Kirby's fired some guys on his own. Dabo's fired some guys on his own. But before year four. 
That's the issue. You're in year four, David. You're four, and you're no better off in year four than you were in year one. Yeah, you're actually off worse. And yeah. Then, yeah. And my thing is this. Even, like, you could have fired Grantham now. You could have fired him last week. You could have fired him during the bye week. You don't have any defensive recruits right now. You have none. So it wouldn't even matter. And a lot of those defensive recruits did not like what they saw. Shamar James, like you read, he didn't like what he saw. Um, the other top 100 guy, the corner, I uh, can't think of his name off the head. Humphrey. Humphrey. Julian Humphrey. Julian Humphrey. Yeah, he decommits. And now you're sitting here with no top 100 commits on defense. Like, nobody. So what's the point? Like, why are you still keeping him around anyway? If, if you would have shown those kids, oh, well, I'll get rid of Grant and bring somebody else in here that's an elite recruiter, you could already be starting on your recruiting class. It's November. What are you doing? Like, November, December, that's all you got right now. How are you going to get that many defensive recruits, top 100 guys, in that amount of time? It's not going to happen. You're going to have to dip into the portal. The problem is you're going to be portal diving this whole recruiting class. And, yeah, there's kids going into the portal, but these are kids that couldn't make it on their other team. So how good of a defensive or whatever recruit that you're going to get from the portal, how good are they going to be here? Justin Shorter, he's okay. He hasn't done great. He's made plays here recently. But what has Justin Shorter done since he's been here? And I'm not trying to trash Justin Shorter, but what has he done? He hasn't really done much. Um, well, let's see. Who else did you get from the portal? Lorenzo Lingard and DeMarcus Bowman. They're sitting on the bench collecting dust while your special teams can't even return a kick. So uh, what's the point in even dipping into the portal to get five-star guys and, recruit, and, and not even play the guys? You win with talent. I mean, it's I don't get it, man. I, I, I'm to a point now to where it's just like, what, what do we do now? A lot of people are wanting to get rid of Mullen. Some of them aren't. Some of them want to keep him another year. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I just... I don't know either. I don't know where you're at. He was asked if he was at a crossroads in his program, and he said no. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I'll say this. Rest of the year is important. Yeah. Got to figure it out. Can't lay an egg to Carolina. Can't lay an egg to uh, Missouri. Definitely. Better find a way. Definitely you, can't lay an egg to better not lay an egg to FSU. Oh, yeah. You lay an egg to FSU, so, then you're, you're asking for pitchforks, man. That, that's Especially at home. <laughs> you definitely uh, should be able to win that game. You should be able to win the rest yeah. of the games on your schedule. Let's be honest. You should, yeah. you should go 8-4 and four like you did last year. Should. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Should. Should. And uh, sure. if, if we're in the Tony sure, the Tiger, if, if we're talking and we're in the Tony the Tiger Bowl by the end of the uh, the year, I'm gonna be pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Well, David, I know this is a difficult podcast um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, we'll be back later in the week. We'll uh, we'll preview South Carolina um, and uh, see where things are going here. Um, but there's a, you're at a crossroads. And I ask this, uh, I want everybody just, uh, to, to chime in here. Some interactions here from fans, uh, either on the Gator Country message board or on Twitter. What uh, what needs to be fixed, in your opinion? What needs to happen to fix this? Yeah, and we'll read it. We'll read some of them here on the next podcast, yeah. too. And we'll actually make sure we take a little bit more time because I noticed last time we asked for fans' comments on the VIP boards, we couldn't get through all of them, so... We'll take some time. We'll we'll do a little yeah. segment. Maybe take 10, 20 minutes and get ten some minutes. We'll do we'll do ten minutes of it and we'll we'll read some. So let us know what what needs to happen to fix this problem. Yeah, are David and I out of line? I'm a little out of line today. The, you know, I, I said this last year, and this is oh, a I might book. be. I said, uh, what was it? I was like, last year the coffee tasted different, and the air outside seemed more fresher because we beat Georgia. 
This year, the coffee tastes like pencil lead, and the air outside feels like I'm near a septic tank. But don't steal, it won't steal my joy away from the fall weather. And guess what? Good news here. Braves in the World Series tonight. So we're going to end it on that. I know a lot of Florida Gator fans out there are Braves fans. Some of them aren't. And I know this isn't a Braves podcast, but got to end it on some good news here for you folks. Yes. We're taping this on Sunday, Sunday night. So you guys are listening to this. We may already be World Series champions. Not we're going back to Houston to win this thing. Yeah. So and, and, and it's going to be. And, and we, do, we do apologize for the, uh, the sorry, somber podcast today because we're all just in a bad mood. And every Florida Gator fan right now should have never expected to win this game. Don't get me wrong. But. I don't think it should have been as bad as it was. I think the the, the game play. You had a chance in this game from from the first. Here's the thing for me, David. Quarter. Here's the thing for me, and I'm not. Uh, I won't spend very much time. I'll spend thirty seconds on this before we get out of here. Go ahead. You didn't expect to win the game. You expected it to look a little bit different. You expected there to be a different game plan on the offense. You expected something. I didn't see any energy come out on the offense side of the ball, and the issue is there's just not a ton of hope for the future on what you're seeing so far. If things don't change in some way, shape or form, what's the future look like? Again, you lost this past week. You lost Julian Humphrey, another top 100 guy. Recruiting's not getting better. Um, And there's not a ton of just electric playmakers waiting in the wings to come in. That's, that's what I'll say. That's how I'll end mine. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way, man. Uh, When I look at it, it's, it's future doesn't look good. Um, you, You know, every time, Georgia seems to land another five-star top 100 recruit. It looks like we're just sitting there dipping down in the rankings, 35, 36, and still nobody on this staff feels like they need to do anything about it. So, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those days, man. I'm having one of those days where I'm in a bad mood. But you know what? We do have the Braves tonight. And you know what? That's right. They're 3-1. and one. They're about to win a World Series. And can they do it at home tonight, <sighs> Sunday night? Let's see. Let's see if Spivey is smiling from ear to ear on the next Gator Country podcast. <sighs> Let's see. There you go. There you go. Get us out of here, David. We'll be back next week. All right, folks. We do apologize for the, uh, like I said, the somber mood on this podcast, but I feel it is well warranted between you and the fans. And like I said, on VIP boards, answer that question for us. What do you feel? Where do you think the program needs to go from here? But that'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at GC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. Tomahawk Chop.